Commencing his working life with a passion for teaching, John Nicholas Saunders is presently established as the Dynamic Education Manager of the Sydney Theatre Company, a role that sees him guide the educational experiences for young audience members who attend the plays in their current season. It's a role that also takes him into schools, guiding teachers and students, and travel around the world presenting keynote addresses and attending conferences and meetings. No slouch, he's always on the go and has served time on the committees and as president of Drama Queensland and Drama New South Wales. He currently serves as the president of Drama Australia. John has also co-written the school drama book developed by the STC as an approach to teaching literacy through drama. He has conducted countless workshops and when pushed, he managed to get in some shopping and bag the odd bargain. All of this while completing his doctorate in drama education. John is great company and stages talked with him about the importance of art subjects in the curriculum and why he sees drama and the theatre as significant sources for learning. Um, so this has been a, a little bit in the uh, in the planning. Yes. I spoke to you ages ago I about know. coming I was in trying and to speaking to stages. Yeah. Yeah. But well, anyway. Yes. Sorry. We're here now. We're here now. We're here now. Which is good. <clears throat> yes. Now, uh, look, I have to declare, for yes. the sake of the interview, yes. I'm a drama teacher also. Yes. So, and that's how we know each other, it is. really, for a start. Yes. Where did we meet? We, we met in Paris. <laughs> At the, how romantic people, it was very. people think, but it was, um, it was the IDEA conference. It was. The International Drama Educators. 2013 mm. Association, IDEA, International Drama slash Theatre Education Associations, World Congress in Paris was beautiful and it, warm in Paris. It was. It was, it was a great uh, a great fortnight, wasn't it? Yeah. The conference was interesting. Yes. It yeah. was... Um, well, a lot of it was in French, so um, I don't speak French, Peter, so I found that quite difficult. <laughs> <laughs> but it was about um, neuroplasticity, wasn't it? That oh, yes. was the big theme. It was. So, which I'd never heard of before, mm. but um, I think I've got my... Neuroplasticity around well, that, that knowledge. I thought I did understand it until it was being translated from French into English, and then that really confused me. So the whole thing, I felt uh, rather, yeah, it was hard. Well, what's your hard. understanding of it now? Then? What's, what's neuroplasticity? Oh well, no, I think we'll have to cut this out. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, it's just that, that that the capacity for the brain to be taught to learn new things, learn really. new things, really, yeah, different, be malleable to, um, yeah different functions and skill and yes. all that sort of thing. Of course, accessed through... Yes, through the, the body. Yeah. And the arts. Yeah, yes. I, drama offers a perfect uh, way in, really. Can we start with the role play? <laughs> sure. You know, because <laughs> role, role play is so important to, uh, to, to drama education. Um, so, all right. So, I'm the Minister for Education, <laughs> representing the Philistine Party, who are now in office and governing the country. And mm. one of my first acts is to abolish the art subjects from yes. the curriculum. <laughs> Even though the Constitution states that music is a compulsory subject to be mm. taught in all schools, I, the honorary Richard Head, <laughs> member for Dullstone, <laughs> say that the arts are not crucial mm. to an education. Mm. How do you respond? Well, I, I strongly disagree. Uh, <laughs> I thought you would. Uh, and I'd say that the arts are absolutely central to the way that uh, children learn and to, um, to education. Um, and I think, sadly, what you've just role-played is, is not, um, 
you know, is not a fantasy either. Uh, I think to different degrees, uh, politicians can come in and feel pressure, you know, with a crowded curriculum. And, um, you know, we see the, you know, Primary Principals Association talking about uh, primary, a uh, 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 crowded curriculum for primary teachers particularly. Um, and, and, and that is a real concern. And unions are concerned about teachers, um, you know, workloads and, and the rate of burnout. And when we have... Um, you know, a really high percentage, almost 50% of teachers who are leaving the profession within the first five years of teaching. So there are there are real things that contribute to it. But, uh, of course, I believe that the arts are uh, totally central to our humanity, really. Um, and particularly drama, because I think drama... Its roots are really in in play, in children's play, uh, and that is the way that children, you know, little children, begin to learn, um, and we can imagine ourselves in different contexts, in different places, uh, taking on different roles, acting out different relationships, um, and that can be facilitated and continued into primary school, uh, where we can learn through the arts as well as about the arts, uh, and into secondary where we look more at theatre. Um, but I, I think it's an incredibly... The drama particularly is incredibly important. And perhaps that, that's because you know, adults use that facility to play as, mm. as, as they mature, as mm. we get older. Um, and maybe that's why, you know, the politicians and the policymakers yes. just don't... Or they forget yes. what it was like. Or to... they haven't experienced great quality arts education in their own education as well, I think. Um, you know, and think of it as, you know, perhaps, I don't know, finger-painting their spelling test or something. Well, I guess arts education is still quite young, really, yeah. the teaching of drama and... Um, I mean, music obviously has been yes. around... Because it is a part of the, the, the constitution, isn't I it? I didn't that, know that. Yes, I, I, I do believe. I'd, wow. I'd have to phone a friend just to double yes, check, but I'm pretty yeah. sure in the constitution it says that music and sport yes, are that to be compulsory yes. in, in an education. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, but the teaching of drama, say in New South Wales, I mm. just as, a, as an example, is only about 25 years old. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's right, as a subject. And really, you know, it was sort of in the 70s that it... Um, you know, was starting to find its feet as a subject within schools in different states and territories in Australia. Um, so it is relatively new, yeah. So there's a push for, you know, the institution of CARA to teach, is it, it's five basic arts subjects, subjects yep. drama, music, um, visual arts. Yes, dance, dance and media arts. And media arts. Yeah, yeah. the five. Um, and ACARA, you know, something that we really fought for um, in the development of the Australian curriculum was that uh, all Australian children should have an entitlement to all five of those art forms over each two-year band uh, in, in school, really, up until year eight. Um, and so that was a really a, a core central principle for us, that um, through reviews of music education and review of art education um, federally, we saw that um, sadly, arts education was was largely tied to socioeconomic advantage. Um, so kids who were in wealthy schools were getting quality arts education and kids who weren't uh, were really missing out. And so this th that central principle that all children were entitled to quality arts education in every two-year band is a really huge, a huge win, I think, for... Um, for for teachers and students, um, and I think sadly it gets overlooked sometimes with the politics of curriculum uh, development. Yeah, does that look like it's on track that the delivery, the implementation of those five art subjects 
is going to appear or, you know, with the constant disarray of governments mm. and changes of parties and prime ministers yes. and all that sort of thing, <laughs> that throws it into uh, yes. disarray. Well, well uh, I suppose it was under um, the Rudd government that he, um, Kevin Rudd really tried to sort of federalise education and health um, and uh, uh, they're both two areas that... Um, that state and territory governments hold jurisdiction over. So, it's a really tricky um, it's a really tricky thing to develop a, a national curriculum or have national standards within education because they're controlled by the states and territories. So, what's happened is since then, since two thousand and nine, when uh, the announcement was made that the arts would be included in uh, phase two of the Australian curriculum, uh, and then a very long process, a very thorough and open consultation process with stakeholders, with teachers, with parents with students, uh, that curriculum was finally developed and released in 2013. And since then, states and territories have largely adopted it or they've adopted and adapted it um, to make it fit within their context. Um, New South Wales and Victoria, um, you know, our two largest states have um, sort of taken it and played with it and um, they already had quite detailed curriculum for the arts. Um, but I think... Well, I think what we're seeing is that there's a common language across it, um, that uh, teachers across Australia are speaking the same language when they're talking about the arts, um, which wasn't an easy thing to come to. Um, and, and also that we can access the great range of resources that have been developed for the arts, particularly in the primary schools, I think. Yes, it makes sense. I mean, to think that a country as small as Australia, mm. each state had its own education system and we weren't all operating on the same curriculum. No. Is that common to most countries, though? Do, um, do America have a common curriculum, do you know? No, or? my understanding is that they have some common, uh, some sort of the meta uh, ideas are common, but each state uh, has its own curriculum. Um, I think the same in, in, in many other countries, that, that it is... Uh, they might have some sort of broad national curriculum, but then their states... Um, you know, Shape their own. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's take you back to your yes, school days. Yes. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Brisbane. Brisbane? Yes. yes. That tiny town. The sunshine <laughs> state. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and what sort of childhood was it? Was it, Were you by the beach? Was it sun and surf all yeah, the time? There was a bit of or? sun and surf. Um, no, I grew up in Brisbane. We uh, we holidayed a lot at the beach, so there was a lot of sun and surf. Um, but it was a great, and Brisbane was a great place to grow up. Uh, you know, it was a, it was idyllic, really. We, um, you know, would jump on our bikes after school and uh, there were bike tracks everywhere and it was very green and very safe and you disappear for hours and then, you know, come home when it started to get a bit dark. It was terrific. Yes, I... Um, poor kids today, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you, but, yeah, same sort of... I grew up in country Victoria mm. and, you know, you'd go out and you'd play in the bush and yes. you'd ride your bikes yeah. and you just had to be home before the streetlights went yes. on. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. I, and I don't, I don't think it is like that. Certainly for kids in Sydney, I think it's very different. Or taking the footy out onto the road yes. and kicking it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And then get off when the car's coming. Yes. <laughs> um, did you have siblings? I did. I have a younger brother and a younger sister, yes. Right. Um, not in arts or education. No, no. <laughs> no. So where, where did that arts education bent occur with you? Were you, yeah. as a child, were you a performer? Were you always seeking attention or <laughs> yes, expressing Peter. yourself? I was. Okay. <laughs> I was always seeking attention. Right. Uh, look, I, 
I think, uh, look, I was quite a naughty child um, and and I found school quite difficult. I found learning quite difficult um, and particularly learning to read, I found uh, a huge challenge. So you weren't a big reader? No, not in primary no. school. No, no, I found it really, really difficult. Um, and um, I think in year four... I was so far behind that, um, you know, the teachers and the principal were concerned that something serious was uh, happening and I had a whole range of tests and um, and they diagnosed me with attention deficit disorder and uh, put me on Ritalin for a year and, um, you know, was given that label of having a learning disability. Um, what does that do for you as a, as a well, kid and your self-esteem? And Yes, I think it shoots it really. And, right. uh, and you start to believe that you uh, can't learn, you know. Um, I think it was a really... Uh, uh, it was a horrible period. Was the drug a, a liberating experience for no. you, or did you find it quite controlling? Yes, I yeah. think very controlling. Yeah, um, I think I think it really just shuts you down, and you, um, you know, perhaps it's great for other people around you um, because you're not yelling out and disturbing others. Yeah. Um, and it was really, you know, it was talked about as being the miracle drug in the nineties. Um, but really, I think it just shuts you down, um, and certainly affected my self esteem. I think and. Uh, and the way that I saw myself. Um, and f- sort of from there, I guess, that my, uh, you know, the, the naughty kids were encouraged to do drama um, after school and um, and that's really how I sort of found drama. I had always done it since, you know, year one I did my first play and, um, and always really enjoyed it. But I think that was a, a sort of a pivotal moment where... Um, where others decided that academic uh, academic work wasn't for me, uh, and that the arts were. Um, so was drama a, a formal subject, or it was all co curricular at the time, uh, or the English teacher would put a little bit into their classes? Yeah, or... <laughs> it was a bit of both. Yeah. Uh, we had an arts teacher who taught a whole range of arts, so he'd do sort of a different term on each arts area, uh, and then there was uh, extracurricular uh, after school as well, and you know putting on little plays and things like that. Um, so putting on little plays, self-devised works, or yeah, sometimes was there a big musical? Or? No, no, we didn't have musicals. Um, no, little little self-devised, or there'd be a scripted piece that you know a large group of us would um, work on. Um, you know that different bits would be sort of divvied up for us. Um, but it it was sort of, uh, I think it was actually that that sort of uh, for me a pivotal moment of sort of uh, discovering success that. Yes, I was having a really hard time, like, learning to read and write, but actually I could do stuff on stage and get people laughing or I could draw or paint and, you know, would win, you know, the year four art, cl- art class prize. And um, so, so what, what was that doing for you as a kid? I, I imagine giving you a bit of confidence yes, that you lacked. Yeah, yeah, and self-esteem and I think finding that, that taste of success, I think, um, is with huge. The collaborative process with other kids, I guess? Or yeah, I think learning so. Learning to work with people? Yeah, and finding solving. totally all of those things. Right. And, and finding, you know, finding that school was a place that you belonged and that you could succeed in. Uh, not that, you know, and that, that other side of it, that other, um, you know, learning to read bit was sort of pushed to the side then for a while. Um, but it turns out that the more arts I did, the better I did at school. You know, when I moved on to high school and did every art subject that I 
could do. I, um, you know, played played an instrument and was in the choir and on an ensemble and uh, did drama, did visual art, um, made great sculptures. Uh, we had media and film and television at my school, so I was making films and editing them. Um, and it was it was the more I sort of got involved in the arts, really the better I did socially and academically. So you were able to leave Ritalin behind? Totally. Before you went to high school? Yes, yeah. yeah. I was only on it for a year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my, my reading progress sort of made no difference in that 12 months. And so um, so they let me off it. Um, well, I suppose the arts were teaching you some sort of self-discipline as well. Or, yes. Or control. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I think the arts teach us so many things. Um, and... Which I think probably, you know, um, shaped my interest in drama and uh, literacy um, is from that experience um, as a primary school boy, really. So what... You, uh, probably a silly question, but your favourite subject, it was... was always drama. Drama. I think okay. it was always drama. Yeah. Um, I loved visual art. I loved all of the arts. Um, I never liked English. <laughs> I really hated it. Are you an, uh, an avid reader now? I am now, yeah. yes, yeah. So all of that sort of just started to disappear, you know. Um, as I went into secondary school, my reading was fine. And, um, you know, I found it hard for a while. But, um, you know, I did did really well academically in high school and got a really good uh, grade to finish high school and... Um, and it was funny because I had never felt dumb, um, and and sort of being given that label really really did affect me. I think, um, but then through the arts, I think at school that I was able to shake that off and create a new identity for myself, uh, someone who was confident and capable and intelligent, uh, who could communicate, collaborate, um, who could think critically and creatively, um, and all of those aspects I think have set me up really for life so I feel very fortunate to have had that um that hurdle to um climb over as a young person and I think that that can give you resilience that um and it was probably a happy accident that you found yourself yes. sort of being exposed to drama yeah that's arts. right yeah, yeah. yeah that. well my mother loved loves the arts um and she she really uh, I think you know, she's been, um, I think, very central in that, you know, always taking us to the theatre as children and to the art gallery and encouraging us to play music. And um, so I think that, you know, there's sort of that uh, that side of the story as well, I think. Having a parent who sees the value in the arts, I think, is, is hugely important as well. Um, now, pardon my mm. uh, pronunciation here, but... Your high school motto mm. is a Latin phrase. It is. It was. Virilita age. Very good. Virilita age. It was very good. Yeah. And it translates to act courageously. <laughs> yes. Now, does working in arts education require us to be <laughs> courageous? I think so. Yeah. I do. Yes. I think working in education uh, makes us means that we have to act courageously. Really. Um, I think teaching is a, is a courageous profession to get into um, because we're I think fairly constant put down, um, that we're told that we're not great, that uh, we need to increase the standard of teaching. This is by um, politicians, politicians, shock jocks, uh, the yes. general public. Yes, the yeah. media are telling us, that's right, we see review after review of improving, uh, needing to improve educational standards and 
um, you know, the quality of teachers, the quality of people who are going into teaching from high school. Uh, so I think, you know, to be able to withstand all of that in teaching is not an easy job, Peter, as you know. Not at all, not at all. Um, yeah, so I think we do need to act with courage. And I think to teach a subject in the arts requires even more courage because uh, you are need to be an advocate for your area within the school as well as with you know outside the school um so i think it does take a i think it takes a lot to to do that mm. yeah and in saying it's not an easy job it, it certainly is though a, a satisfying job absolutely and, and and that's why we keep going back yes. and, and doing it and it feeds you in a way that I think uh, nothing else, you know, there's nothing else like it. Um, and I'm really lucky in my job that I'm able to teach one morning a week. And I find that that, I don't know, it does something. It's There are mornings where I go, I really would prefer not to do that. I've got so much other work to do. But there is something about being really present in that moment in a classroom with a group of kids, um, particularly teaching drama. Um, it, yeah, it's, I think it's very difficult to describe. Can you recall a theatre experience from your youth when you were at school that you, know, that you yeah. went to see yes. that really has stayed with you for whatever reason? Yes. Look, I think probably the first professional piece of theatre that I saw um, was uh, The Wizard of Oz at QPAC um, at the Lyric Theatre, I think, um, that Mum took me to. I was in primary no, school. Don't, no, who, who played Dorothy? I don't know. I don't it know. wasn't Nicky Webster. No, it was before Nicky Webster. Because oh, I were was in, in that, that production. That, yes, no. How, how funny. <laughs> Wouldn't you... that be? No, no. <laughs> no, Nicky wasn't. No, it was... Um, that was after the 2000 Olympics, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yes. because she'd become famous Yes, uh, because of the opening yes. ceremony. But you saw it was before, it was before then, that. So it might have been that opera... Yeah, Vic Opera did a production which toured as a commercial yeah. musical, so, and I forget the girl who was up there, but Cameron Daddo played the Scarecrow. Wow. Do you wow. Does that, that doesn't ring any no. bells? No. No, it was, um, but I can remember it. I was fascinated by, um, you know, the Wicked Witch from the West who disappeared on stage and was nothing left except her cloak and her hat, you know, from I Melton. Oh, and it was. Pamela Ray. Oh, was it really? Yes, oh, yes. my God. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it was a totally, a totally magical moment, I think, um, for me. You know, it was sort of magic that could happen on stage. Mm. And, you know, yeah, I think that really did stay with me, that uh, that play, that you could go into a world, you know, in a dark room with a whole bunch of other people and have this really incredible experience. Well, I, I love that quote of Matt Cameron, you know, the playwright, who mm. says that theatre is a beautiful lie. Mm. Yeah. It is a beautiful lie. That is lovely. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and being able to just, you know, totally enter a different world... Um, for the Wizard of Oz or think about things differently. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. End of school, you decide that you are going to become a teacher. Yes. Why? <laughs> I nearly became a lawyer. Okay. <laughs> I did work experience at a law firm. I topped legal studies at my school. You'd be able to buy much nicer bags. I know, I know. Sometimes I do regret it. <laughs> <laughs> Not often. Um, but... I did. I did do work experience at a law firm. I really seriously thought about law, um, and um, and I just didn't feel like it was. It wasn't for me. I just felt um, 
it just didn't I just didn't think it would be very fulfilling um, and I thought that would be important and I had great some great teachers uh, who were really inspiring and I loved drama and I knew that I wanted to I think work in that space uh, and so I I uh, did a double degree of um, drama at QUT and then education um, yeah so where was your first school? You were teaching. Teaching. I taught at Southern Cross Catholic College uh, at in Brisbane. Redcliffe, yes, on Redcliffe, up, right. up at Redcliffe. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was um, which was a great uh, a great introduction to teaching. Um, What's interesting is not you can you, you're exposed to all sorts of methodologies and mm. theories and 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 the practicum mm. within the um, the study of education. But I don't think it's until you're out there amongst it. Mm. learning on the job yes. that you really sort of um, develop your own sort of your own persona style, as a teacher yes. and style yeah. and, um, and really learn what it's all about. Yeah, and it takes. I think it does take a while to, you know, I think you make some mistakes as well along the way and um, and that shapes how how you behave as a teacher, I think. Um, but I was really lucky. I had There was a group of teachers there who were all early career Um I, don't, I think I might have been the only first year in, you know, when I arrived and there were a couple of second, third, fourth years. Um, and so we all um, sort of grouped together really and supported each other through, you know, that, that early phase of teaching where you do make mistakes, where um, sometimes things are thrown at you, um, sometimes literally, <laughs> sometimes not, um, that, you know, that you're dealing with for the first time and... Um, and I think that support, having that support network was really, was really important um, for me. So how long before you became involved in the politics of drama education, i.e., you know, yes. getting involved with Drama, drama Queensland? Queensland and, yeah. yeah, not long. Not long. Um, not long. I, both of my supervising teachers on my practicums were, uh, one was the current president, one was the former president of Drama Queensland, um, and my university lecturers in um, drama were former presidents of Drama Queensland. So it was, um, we were really encouraged to get involved. Um, so I think I joined the, the committee in my first year of teaching and, you know, helped with the organisation of a conference and things like that. Um, and, it, and it was sort of at that phase that we were starting the conversations about the Australian curriculum. Um, and so that was really interesting. Um, I was always interested in curriculum development and um, and that was sort of my first um, foray, I guess, into the politics of curriculum and education um, and seeing how we needed to lobby, um, that drama was never automatically on the table, the arts were never really automatically on the table and how much we had to fight, um, you know, to ensure that the arts were there. Those professional organisations are, are really crucial. They're, they're essential totally. to us, aren't they? Yes. In order to be a face um, yes. to, to the policy makers, etc. But yes. also as a support to, you know, often drama teaching can be a lonely experience yes. because often you're the only teacher teaching Absolutely. the subject in a school. Mm. So it's a great sort of go-to for those people to sort of yeah. help develop their craft. And it becomes, I think, a family for, you know, it's that professional family, especially if you are the only drama teacher, um, you know, to have that support network around you to keep developing your practice. And uh, and drama is, I think, a p- very particular subject where you can't just teach it out of a book. Um, it is, 
you know, as a pedagogy, highly practical, highly embodied. Um, so you do need to work with others and go to conferences and do workshops and, um, you know, continue to practice, I think, to be able to be a great teacher. Um, but they rely on the generosity of people in our field who find the time on top of their full-time teaching loads to edit a journal or create a resource or organise a conference or, um, you know, make submissions to political reviews to represent us when there's um, shifts in curriculum um, and, and advocate for us. So um, I think, you know, we're, we stand on the shoulders of giants because we've had people go before us who have done extraordinary jobs in, in that field. So you've also served on the committee and president of Drama New South Wales and you're yes. currently president of Drama Australia. Yes. So how is Drama Australia different to those state organisations? It's the national body. So technically Drama Australia is um, is the National Association for Drama in Education uh, and our members are the member state and territory associations. Um, so it's sort of uh, its work is really focused nationally on on advocacy, on bringing the community together through conferences, um, and creating support for teachers nationally through journals, through uh, guidelines, um, through projects that that keep bringing um, people together. Mm. You're currently education manager at the Sydney Theatre Company. Yes. Is that the role that brought you to New South Wales? It is. It yes, is. Yeah. So you decided to stop teaching and then take on this. Um, yeah. Um, what sort of role? It's a it's a creative role. It's a managerial role. Yes. It's, it's, a, a, it's, it's a, a lot of it's, it's a, a lot. bit of everything. But but yeah. it still allows you an opportunity to teach. And that was the 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 sort of um, the really key. Uh, element of it I guess that I was still able to teach one morning a week it was part of the position description and the contract and uh, and that really excited me that I could sort of have a foot in each camp um, and I was looking for a new or the next experience I felt it was the right time um, and I'd been doing some work the um, the school had three primary campuses and one secondary campus where I was working and so I'd started doing a little bit of work with the primary teachers um, about using drama initially in their history um, classrooms and and then a, you know a bit more broadly across the curriculum and I became fascinated by that um, and that's how I got to know Professor Robin Ewing from the University of Sydney and her work. Um, and she had collaborated with um, Kate Blanchett and Andrew Upton, who were um, our former co-artistic directors at the Sydney Theatre Company, uh, and Helen Rostovsky, who was my predecessor at the uh, STC, um, to create a program called School Drama, which uses a teaching artist uh, alongside a classroom teacher. And they work in a co-mentoring relationship um, teaching each other and learning from each other using drama in primary English and literacy classrooms to improve student literacy um, and student engagement. And there was a... It had just been going for a couple of years and there was a story on the 7.30 report um, that, that showed this program and I thought, gosh, that looked fascinating. Um, and so I had met Robin uh, via, um, via that. She had come and presented on uh, her research at a conference that I was organising in Queensland. Um, and then when I, yes, a applied and um, had three rounds of interviews and um, within, I think, four weeks had packed up my life in Brisbane and left my job and come down here. So, 
Yeah, yes, sorry. The question was, yes, that's right. The job did bring me down to Sydney. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, look, the, the, the wing, the education wing and, uh, you know, the subsidised theatre companies, etc., is, is a relatively new addition as well. I think, well, when I say relatively new, it's 20 years probably that it's been around. But We've had a we've had an education manager since the very beginning of the company. Oh, right. Um, okay. It's um, schools days, uh, so our matinees uh, with a pre-show... Uh, briefing and a post-show Q&A has been um, going since basically the company started. Well, it's a great way to foster audiences of the future, mm. I guess, isn't mm. it? Well, and I think audiences of today, I think young people um, are an incredibly important audience and providing those first experiences of theatre, like seeing The Wizard of Oz at QPAC as a little boy, um, you know, uh, are, can never be underestimated. And providing those those young audience members, those students and their teachers with uh, educational support in in order to access the, the plays that yes. they're seeing and uh, and derive some sort of um, impact, understanding, knowledge yes. Yes. from them. And, and I think, you know, and they've continued to evolve, you know, and uh, I think wonderful resources and, uh, you know, I think so many companies across Australia are doing amazing work in, in that regard, whether they're um, you know, ebooks, whether they're podcasts, whether they're little videos, whether they're interviews with the director or designer, to help us understand and unpack the meaning created on stage. But what we find, which I think is really interesting, is that sometimes our school's audiences are so well prepared that they really understand that piece of theatre and will respond to it quite differently to, say, a general public audience. Um, you know, because, for example, a, a play like Top Girls, where they were, you know, where you sort of do need to understand a bit uh, about Top Girls before you go in and see it with the, that, you know, uh, dream dinner scene at the beginning and how that resonates uh, with the rest of the play and uh, the actors and the connection between the two characters that they are playing, um, you know, is really quite sophisticated. So, you know, students will come to that and have this, you know, very complete uh, understanding uh, of a play like that. So I think those resources are, are, are hugely important in supporting um, students' access to the theatre. So I guess you're, you're getting a list of the next season's plays from your artistic director, Kip Williams, <laughs> yes. probably 12 months or more beforehand, mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. they're announced. Yes. And then you and your team have to look at them all and decide what the educational mm. derivative from them is. Yes, yes. Is it easy to come up with a, an educational experience for each play? You know, I no. mean, what if you program some other fucker with a hat? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously... There's only going to be certain plays that are available yes. to schools' audiences. And it's timing as well, you know, um... Uh, I suppose we're really lucky that, you know, we can contribute and be part of those conversations as well early on um, and help, you know, provide a little bit of shape to it. Um, And uh, that, you know, probably half the season we will say that there are, you know, strong curriculum connections to um, and that are, you know, at particular times in the year that work for schools. You'd know, Peter, that there are some times in the year that are just... Uh, impossible mm, um, to, get to take kids out, whether that's during the day or even in the evening. Um, so it, it's a bit of a jigsaw, I think, putting it all together and um, and trying to ensure as well that there's something, you know, for uh, early secondary, mid-secondary, um, senior secondary students, um, that there's a range of different forms and styles in there um, across the year. Yes, it's interesting. I, I've even noticed that the commercial musical theatre mm. is now doing education packs mm. and... Um, 
support yeah. for, for their audiences. Yeah, it's so great. It's, yeah, it's yeah. terrific. Listen, I know that you go out in, in your role to mm. various classrooms, but you've also told me about a time that you had an experience at a juvenile justice centre yes. in Western Sydney, <laughs> which I find completely fascinating, yes. and I, I'd love you to talk about it. <laughs> Shall I tell that story? Yeah, yes, I'd yeah. love it. I think we, um, we started... Um, it was sort of a branch of school drama, really, that program with the artists working in schools. Um, and I thought that the work that we were doing in process-based drama, where we're learning through drama, not creating a performance necessarily, um, could work really well with um, with young people who are incarcerated. And um, I got in touch with the principal of the school that's within the Juvenile Justice Centre in Western Sydney, um, and said, this is the kind of work we do and, um, you know, I think it would work, but we don't know and it's a bit of a, a, an experiment. Um, and he was really, really keen. He just read um, Ken Robinson's uh, book about creativity and, um, and thought that these boys we were working with would really respond well to it. So we started and... We, we decided that we needed both two classes to work together. The classes are of about six students. Um, and I felt that you sort of needed 12 students as a minimum to sort of do drama. Um, and there are a couple of teacher aides who were in the room. There's a couple of classroom teachers and the security guards as well uh, who joined in. Um, and we walked into the first lesson and the, the room had been stripped and all the desks had been pushed away and the boys were sitting in a circle in the middle of the room. Uh, and they were all avoiding eye contact and had their sort of hands crossed, arms, arms crossed and um, really didn't look like they wanted to do this at all. Um, and So it was very much a case of they were being made to participate yeah, absolutely. in this experience. Yes, yes, they were told. Uh, they weren't, yes, they weren't given an option and... Um, you know, and we came in going, we're about to do some drama and wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think the subtext was sort of, you know, why the fuck are you here kind of, uh, kind of thing. And uh, that, that, first, that first workshop was really about um, building trust. Um, the boys were sort of 14, 15, 16 years old um, and, and it was really about building trust with them, playing some drama games to... Um, because I guess tr- trust is not a value which no. exists in their world, probably. No. So it's very hard for them to, yeah. Yes. Uh, and for, hard for you to elicit that out yeah, of Yeah, it, it, w- it was really challenging. Um, and I worked with a remarkable teaching artist, Alison Evans, who uh, is, is still working with us, who's extraordinary. Um, and it was great to have two of us in the room sort of um, bouncing off each other. And I think at the end of that first lesson... We were playing a game called Anyone Who, um, where everyone sits in a chair in a circle except for one person who's sort of the loser, and they stand in the middle, uh, and they say, anyone who is wearing shoes, and anyone who's wearing shoes then jumps up and finds a new seat. But when you're in the middle, you have to say something that's true for you. So I could only say anyone who's wearing black shoes if I was wearing black shoes. Anyway, so we're going around and they're going, oh, anyone who's wearing black sneakers, anyone who's wearing blue shorts, anyone who's wearing a red shirt. And I was like, you're wearing a uniform. Like, this is really dull. Um, you know, it's got to be something I was trying to really get them to think more creatively. And I said, you know, it's got to be something you've done or a place that you've been or, you know, your favourite food or whatever. 
Uh, and the next kid jumps up and says, anyone who's ever stolen a car? And all the boys jumped up and, and found a new seat. And I was like, yeah, that's right. Well, this is a totally different context for us. Um, but that, but that speaks to the wonderful authenticity that, that, can, that does exist in the drama room. Yes. Where genuine experiences are being offered. And in a way, it's, it's a great leveller for everybody. Yeah. And... Um, uh, I don't I hate to use the term therapy, mm. but it's a cathartic yes, experience for many people participating in a drama or, class. Or a meaning-making experience for them. You mm. know, that, that um, through it, through the drama, through looking at these characters and their relationships, that students can create meaning in their own lives, you know. And, uh, and I think that's where it's hugely powerful, and that can help shape their identity as well. Um, but it, it's been an incredible experience working with those boys. We're now working with um, young men and young women uh, who are incarcerated, and it's extraordinary, really. But they, they grew to really love their drama they were session, extraordinary. didn't they? Yeah. Sessions. Yes. Yeah. Um, we, we were working with a picture book um, called The Island by Armin Greta, um, which is a very, very dark a uh, very dark picture book about a stranger that washes up on this island and the community on the island don't know what to do with him and uh, he doesn't speak their language and he looks very different. Um, and so we're sort of reading a little bit of the story and then we dive in and explore it using drama-based conventions and then read a little bit more and dive in again. So over, you know, seven weeks or so, we'll reach the end of that book. At one point, towards the end of the term, we were hot-seating this stranger. So one of the boys jumped up and went into role as that character uh, and we were asking him questions and he would respond as the character, um, which is hard enough to do. And anyway, he jumped up and started answering and he started talking in, like, gibberish. And another boy then jumps up and said, oh, it's because we can't understand his language, so I'll be the translator. So he jumped up and sat next to him without any scaffolding from us facil as facilitators. Um, and so the, the boy as a stranger would answer the question in gibberish. The boy next to him then would answer it and translate it into English. So it was this incredible... Incredible moments. Wow, that's, yeah. that, those, those times of the unexpected which really sort of yeah, blow your mind. Absolutely. In, in um, how you can speak yeah. to, to kids. I mean, every lesson wasn't like that, obviously, Peter. There are, no. There are there, you know, there are... But it's worth putting up with those, those oh, moments totally. to get gold-like, yes. those two things yeah. that you reference. Yeah, and to see them in a different light, and I think for their teachers as well, to see them in a different light, and for them to see each other perhaps in a different way as well. Um, yeah, I think uh, really profound experiences. We gave it a go for a term um, and, you know, three years later we're still there. So um, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's an incredible program. Tell me about the school drama book and teaching literacy through the arts. Really closely working in partnership with the University of Sydney uh, and Sydney Theatre Company. Um, and it's really based on Robin Ewing's work. She was a primary teacher um, and was um, really skilled in drama uh, and and particularly process drama and drama as pedagogy, uh, so learning through drama. And it was really... A, she would go in and work alongside other teachers in their classrooms um, to co-teach the students using a picture book or a short novel um, in that way, reading a little bit, diving in, using some drama strategies um, with a focus on improving their... English and literacy uh, outcomes. And Robin had been doing that for years and researching that. And, um, and Kate and Andrew obviously became interested in that and that really started this program in 2009. 
Um, and I think we started with five disadvantaged schools um, in Sydney and fully subsidised it. Our board provided some money um, to help um, subsidise it for these schools and sort of test the idea. Uh, and and we kept piloting it over a couple of years um, and researching it with the University of Sydney. And the research outcomes are really interesting that there were these shifts in literacy, different literacy areas over a fairly short amount of time, seven lessons, seven weeks. Um, but there were also lots of shifts in non-academic outcomes. So um, student confidence, student engagement, um, shifts in student empathy, shifts in students working together and more cohesively. Uh, and when I came into the Sydney Theatre Company, my job was to take the program to scale. They knew it had worked. They'd done this research. Um, and so when we have now worked with about two... Th- no, we have now worked with about 27,000 teachers and students across Australia. So um, there are about 27 teaching artists, um, a lot of them based in Sydney, the Blue Mountains... Um, um, Albury Wodonga, uh, we're delivering the program in the ACT, Darwin, Adelaide, um, Western Australia, Queensland, Victoria. So the only place we're not working at the moment is Tasmania, and we've taken a, a small break from South Australia um, due to some changes there. Yeah, so it's grown, uh, it's grown, and we've just started uh, a partnership um, in New Zealand working with. Um, the University of Auckland and Applied Theatre Consultants. Um, that's that's fabulous. That must, yeah. that, that's probably bigger than you ever expected. Oh, I it? think it's bigger than any of us ever expected. Yeah. 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 Kate and Andrew had always wanted it to be a national program um, and we sort of played around with ideas of how that would work and the model you know, changes in different states. Um, but it's, it's incredible, really. And the uptake, I, I think, is incredible that primary teachers really want to teach the arts well um, and that this provides them with something really tangible that uh, they can take and they can use. They're holding on to a picture book or a short novel, something they feel really comfortable with, uh, and there's someone teaching with them in the room. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great model. So not only can teachers access you know, teaching artists to give them first-hand guidance, but there's this fantastic textbook Mm. which is available for them to reference also. Yeah. I I don't imagine there are a lot of textbooks around which deal with this... Uh, there are some. Okay. For, for us, the, the textbook came about because teachers who had done the program with us kept sort of saying, where is it all written down? And we were going, well, there's this great book and that great book and um, this one, but that's a bit, you know, UK language, um, you know, etc. cetera. Um, and teachers said, I will buy one book because we're teaching across the whole curriculum, you know. Um, and I said to Robin, how hard could it be? Let's write a, a book together. It turns out, Peter, it's really hard. It <laughs> takes a long time. Right. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, but you're doing a great service. You oh, know, thanks. Teachers love a handout. They, yes. they, they love the notes there. They love a, a reference yeah. book. You yes. know? So you've provided a, a terrific resource oh, thank for, you. for teachers. Yeah, yeah. It, it has you know, a bit about the research and the theory, which we think is really important. To know that teachers are, you know, when they're making a choice to use drama in their classrooms, I think they need to know that it is evidence-based and research-informed, that it's not just fun and that we think it's really great, but there's this whole body of Australian and international research behind it that supports 
you know, those choices. Uh, and then 22 units of work from kindergarten through to year eight based on quality children's literature. And they're just starting points, Peter. They're really... Um, you know, it's not meant to be a script or anything like that. Um, it's just one way of approaching, um, you know, that text. And we really encourage teachers to take it and play with it and zhuzh it and make it their own, um, which is really exciting to see when teachers have done that um, or people who've never met writing in and saying, oh, you know, used your book and um, done this uh, unit of work and uh, I've never seen my students, you know, uh, in that way or feel that confident or the quality of their writing has really increased. So, um, yeah, it's been a really joyful experience. Now, you're currently completing your doctorate. Yes. <laughs> That's, is there a light at the end of the tunnel there? <laughs> there is. I, I hope so. I think um, a few more months, I'm hoping, and then it'll be done. And you're, you're always giving keynote addresses at countries um, around the world and yeah. running workshops, and you've been president, as we've talked about, of various drama mm. education organisations, and you're running education at the STC. My question is, do you ever get tired? <laughs> I mean, I'm always how, tired. How, how do you remain so passionate and driven? Oh. Is, is it youth? I don't know. No, I think, uh, I think that... I think that I just love our... I think that all drama teachers really love our work, that we are, we are a very passionate and loud mob. Um, and uh, and when we see that people devalue our work, um, then that can be make us... Be very protective. Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, and I think we all have different skills. We all are advocates, whether it's, you know, in our school or uh, theatre company or, uh, you know, we're going to Canberra meeting with the Federal Education Minister, that... Um, I think that's what I think that really drives me, and 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 of course my own experience as a a student and as a teacher, when you see it firsthand, um, you know how important it is, and you want everyone to have access to that. So, yeah, I think there are sometimes when I yeah there are sometimes when I do feel tired, um, or that I've you know overcommitted or taken too much on. Um, you know, or when you're trying to write, you know, a review for a government, re you know, a submission for a government review, um, and you think, God, I really don't want to lose my whole weekend to this. But, um, you know, but you're never alone either. There are, you know, uh, I, I suppose that's the lo the lovely part of being the president of Drama Australia. Um, you get you get the credit, but there are so many people who do do the work uh, and work with you and uh, and are so collegial and collaborative, which you know is true to form with drama teachers that we're all willing to jump in and help. Yeah. Do you ever think you might return full time to the classroom? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I definitely do. Um, I don't know what what is next, but I I love teaching and. Um, I've been out of the classroom um, longer than I thought I would, uh, and really study has, um, you know, been a been a reason I, I suppose for that as well. Um, but once I finish the PhD, uh, uh, I suppose it's um, see what the next chapter is. Um, but I, yeah, I do miss it. Well, any school would be fortunate to have oh, you, thanks, John. Peter. So yeah, look, to look <laughs> for the future. I might be looking for a job, so uh, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it. you in mind. Absolutely, um, John Nicholas Saunders. And I will say that because there's Thank another you. John Saunders. There is. It, it, does, it, does that upset you when somebody <laughs> else has your name? Well, I didn't know until I moved to Sydney and someone came into my workshop looking for John Saunders, and it yeah, was the other one because he's a director. Yeah, yes, yeah. Because yeah. So, yeah. I have a friend who's an Anthony Blair, Tony Blair, yes, of course, and, yes. and I had a friend whose mother was Paul. 
Pauline Hanson. Well, so you know, it could be worse. It could be worse. <laughs> you know, so you're quite looking. Well, um, Jono, um, we'll always have Paris. We will. We will. Um, thank you for talking to stages today. It's My been absolutely Peter. fantastic. Thank you. And um, let's go and have a drink. Love it. Bring okay. it on. Thank you. Have you subscribed to Stages yet? Do so and keep up to date with every new guest episode as it is released. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts and through Wooshka and Spotify. And please take the time to rate and review the podcast in the iTunes directory. It helps to grow our audience and reach more stages listening. I'm Peter Ayers and I'll catch you next time on Stages. Stages.